0: Well, good morning for those of us who have never met before, whether in this room or checking us out online. My name is Ben. I'm the lead pastor here at CORE. And like Josh said just a few minutes ago, and we repeat this week after week because we mean it from the bottom of our hearts, we are so incredibly excited that each and every one of you are here. And we feel so privileged every single week that we get to spend our time together. But this morning we find ourselves especially excited that you have chosen to join us because this morning we are kicking off this brand new four-week series that we are calling Breakthrough. And our hope and our belief is that over the course of the next 21 days that this series has the potential to stretch each and every one of us just a little bit individually. But this series also provides this opportunity for each and every one of us. An opportunity for us to experience something in our lives, in our stories, that we desire, and yet for many of us, we have rarely experienced. You see, what I believe with all of my heart is this, is that deep inside of every single one of us, no matter who you are, what season of life you're in, where you find yourself on this journey in a relationship with the God of the universe, that deep inside of every single one of us exists this desire to experience a breakthrough. That as we look at our individual lives and our individual circumstances, what we attest to is that everything in all lives is far from perfect. And that there may be something within our circumstances in which we have hopes that it would drastically get better. It may be within a relationship. It may be within your health and that diagnosis that you've recently received. It may be within your finances. Or maybe for you, the breakthrough that you deeply desire is outside of your own circumstances. That what you hope for is that as you look out into our world and and you see the brokenness and things that aren't quite the way they should be, that maybe just maybe there's hope for things to, to turn in a different direction. Or maybe for you, it's not even necessarily that there's something in your life that has necessarily gone wrong. But it's just that one facet of your life in which there is this deep desire for that particular part of your life to go to a whole nother level. And yet the fact of the matter is simply this, is that throughout our lives, as much as we've desired to experience a breakthrough, time and time again, we find ourselves doing everything we can possibly do, everything within our control and our power to bring a breakthrough in that circumstance of our life, and yet here we sit and nothing seemed to work. Or maybe we look out into our world and the things that we want changed are, quite frankly, outside of our power and outside of our control. And so we wonder if it's even possible. For many of us, there's this feeling of hopelessness that washes over us. Of Maybe it's not even possible that things could get better, be it in my life or be it in the world in which we look out at the brokenness. And yet, what would it look like for us as we sit here desperate for answers and desperate for some relief to switch up our tactics? For many of us to try something we've never tried before and to begin to develop a new habit over the course of the next 21 days that I believe with all of my heart has the power to unlock something incredible in our lives and in our world. You see, the good news is this, is that as hopeless as we feel, be it in our own circumstances or in the brokenness of the world around us, as hopeless as we feel that a breakthrough seems impossible, The hope that we get to stand on as the local church is this, is that we have a God who specializes in the breakthrough. And how can we believe this? Well, it's quite simple. When we pick up God's instruction manual for all life, this love letter, this history book full of, not stories, real life people, real life accounts of real life struggles that men and women just like you and I have walked through in their time on earth, what we find over and over and over again are accounts of a God who in the midst of their struggles and their unfair circumstances and the brokenness of their lives and the world around them has proved to be a God who specializes in breakthroughs over and over again. A God who shows up when people were desperate for waters to part. A God who shows up when people were desperate for walls to come tumbling down. A God who shows up when people were desperate for the impossible to be possible. And time and time again, what we see is a God who proves to be faithful and capable of coming alongside of us and helping us break through the wall that stands between where we are and the victory we want to encounter in our lives. And yet what we also find is this, is that when we see proof, real living proof, of a God who specializes in breakthroughs, what we also find is that on the front end of every single one of those breakthrough moments, there's always a prerequisite. And that prerequisite Has always been prayer. Someone or a group of someones that has been willing to earnestly pray for something that they are desperate for. And oftentimes what we find are a someone or a group of someones that are so desperate that their prayers morph from ASAP prayers that, God, I need you to do this as soon as possible, and I need you to show up and provide a breakthrough right now. People who are so desperate that they change their prayers into ALAT prayers as long as it takes. That God, I believe with all of my heart that this is something that I'm desperate for, that we're desperate for, that needs to drastically improve. And so I'm willing to hunker down and pray for this and commit myself to this until I see your hand move. Until I see you do something. Until I witness a breakthrough that you do on our behalf. And so often what we see is God show up in unbelievable ways, always in the aftermath of relationship with him. Always in the aftermath of our relational connection with the God of the universe is the timing in which he chooses to show up and show off in all lives and in our world. It's the reason why there's this one passage that we're making the cornerstone of our next 21 days together. And to give you a little context, the passage that we're making the cornerstone of this particular series is a passage we find smack dab in the middle of a story in the Old Testament of God's chosen people, the Israelites. And if you know nothing about the story of the Israelites, let me bring you up to speed in about the next 30 seconds. See, the Israelites found themselves being taken captive, slaves at the hands of the Pharaoh in Egypt, for over 400 years. Until one day, God comes to a guy named Moses. He says, Moses, I want you to go to Egypt. I want you to plead with Pharaoh, convince him to let my people go. Moses argues. They go back and forth. I'm not good enough. I can't speak in front of other people well enough. He goes, and then the unthinkable ensues. The ten plagues happen, and finally, Pharaoh's like, I'm tired of all the trouble. Take your two million slaves with you and get out of my country. And he sends them out into the wilderness. And yet the Israelites cling to this hope, this promise that they've received from God. That as you're released from bondage and slavery, there is this promised land that I have created specifically for you. That you're going to experience things you've never experienced, and you're going to have a land to call your own. And yet what they find is they find themselves wandering in the desert for over 40 years, searching oftentimes hopelessly, for God's promise, for God's breakthrough to arrive in their lives and in their stories. Until one day, they find themselves arriving at the banks of the Jordan River. And God tells their leader, a guy by the name of Joshua, On the other side of the Jordan River, when you cross over the Jordan River, you will find yourself arriving, finally, after 40 years, of the promised land that I have promised you. Of this new land flowing with milk and honey, unlike anything you've ever seen before. That you are on the verge of the breakthrough moment in your life and your story. And yet as they sit there, one last day on the banks of the Jordan River, the next day they're going to cross over and they're going to enter into the promised land and experience their breakthrough moment. Joshua gives them a command. He sends it out across the campsite to the millions of campers there waiting to enter into the promised land. And Joshua's instructions to them still hold weight and relevance in your life, in your story, and in mine, right here, right now, today. This is what Joshua instructs them of right before their breakthrough moment. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, it says this. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow God will do something incredible. A breakthrough moment is about to happen in your life, in your story. And yet if you're anything like me, y'all, I get it. Like, I read that passage and I'm like, classic biblical verbiage there. Consecrate. I have no idea what that means, and that kind of scares the life out of me. Like, that's too holy, too far out there for me. And yet what's so cool about this one word is that when we go back to the original language, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and we take that Hebrew word, that Hebrew verb for consecrate, and we define it, the the definition of that Hebrew word for consecrate is simply this, y'all. To connect yourself to the holy, to connect yourself to your heavenly father. And that's our ultimate hope for this series. That for those of us in this room who claim to be Christ followers, we would unlock this essential ingredient in our faith that connects us to our heavenly father in humble expectation of the great things he will do, the unbelievable unexplainable, and seemingly impossible in our lives and in our world. Because here's what I believe with all of my heart, and I feel like this is important for me to get out there, y'all. There is something about prayer that I will never be able to fully comprehend or even fully explain. But it's something that I believe with every ounce of my being. It's a hope that I cling to. And it's this that somehow, way, prayer moves the heart of God. And you see, for many of us, the hang-up that we encounter when it comes to prayer is that we find ourselves asking questions that, frankly, I get, y'all. I understand. I've been there before. Like, if God knows everything and he knows what he's going to do, what good is prayer anyways? Why do I even know, why do I even have to pray about it if he already knows what's going to happen? And you see, that's the unexplainable part about faith that I can't fully comprehend, and yet it's something that I believe with every bit of my heart that somehow when we become people, humanity, who are willing to earnestly pray, that somehow those prayers move God's heart. Somehow those prayers do something incredible on our behalf through and in God. And the reality is is that if we don't find ourselves clinging to that hope and that truth, we will oftentimes miss the power that comes along with prayer and connection and relationship to our God. Even if we can't explain it or understand it, that truth compels us to lean into this relational peace with the God of the universe. And I said this last week, and I think this is so important, You see, if you walked into this room and you find yourself sitting there and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, there's good news. As we move through this series, you're not held to any of this, y'all. You can simply sit back, relax, and just take in the view a little bit. That you get an inside look at some of the things that we as Christ followers want to get better at, and we're trying to learn more about it. And you don't have to be held to any of it without being tied to anything throughout this series. But if you are a Christ follower, this is a series that you cannot miss. This is a series that I believe with all of my heart that I implore every single one of us for the sake of you individually, for the sake of us collectively, and ultimately for the sake of our city and our world that we cannot miss. That we cannot miss the challenge to lean in and to maybe try something that we've never tried before. And hear me on this, I get it. That for many of us, this step of engaging in prayer is a difficult step. Because when I look at my own life, here's what I find about myself. That when it comes to all the spiritual disciplines, the spiritual discipline in which I find most difficult in my life is the spiritual discipline of prayer. And here's why. Many of you who know me know this about me I am a doer. Every single week around here, my week starts exactly the same. That my weeks always begin with the formation of a to do list. And I sit down before I begin my week and I make a list of everything that needs to be accomplished this week. And as I move throughout my week every day, I'll underline the numbers on the piece of paper in that to-do list that I feel like I could accomplish today. And I start working at them and every time I accomplish a task, I cross it out with a highlighter until my entire page is filled with a highlighter and everything is blocked off. There is this desire in me to feel as if I'm accomplishing something and I want to be doing something. And spiritual disciplines like serving and giving, those are tangible tasks that oftentimes you can feel and see the impact of those things. And yet prayer oftentimes feels as if it's on the opposite end of the spectrum, am I right? And oftentimes prayer is this spiritual discipline in which it's not so much about doing, it's not even so much about talking oftentimes that it is about sitting back and listening. The spiritual discipline of prayer it's about exclaiming that there are things that I can't do and asking somebody else to do what I'm incapable of doing. And I don't know how you all are wired, but for the way in which I'm wired, those things make me uncomfortable. And the reason why I, I lay that out on the table for you all is because I want you to hear and know this. That over the course of the next 21 days, as we move through this new series and we focus ourselves on the power of prayer and the purpose of prayer in our lives, this isn't a journey that we're taking, a conversation we're having in which I'm speaking to you. This is a conversation in which we are all in this together in which I, as the dude they allow to walk up on this stage, is still trying to hone my spiritual habit of prayer and still trying to understand it and develop it and lean into the power of it in my own life. And so we enter this all on equal footing, tackling this together over the course of the next 21 days. And so what we're going to do over the course of the next several weeks is simply this, is we're going to take you on a journey And we're going to pull back the curtain on the power and the purpose of prayer. And because we believe that prayer is so powerful, what we're going to attempt to do to give you some context and to set the expectations for the next 21 days is in order to convince you, inspire you, to engage in this act of connection with our Heavenly Father that He desperately wants. The perfect creator and sustainer of the universe wants to have relational conversation with you and me. Imperfect one in a billions. In order to convince you of that, what I understand about myself may be the same as what's coursing through your veins right now. Is that we need to grasp a, a better understanding of the whys behind prayer and the what's behind prayer and even the hows behind prayer. And in order to unveil for us the why's and the what's and the how's behind prayer, what we're going to do is we're going to take a journey through the life of a guy that maybe you've heard of before that really sets the table of what a healthy and powerful prayer life looks like. A guy by the name of Paul. And what you may or may not know about Paul is that Paul was a guy who found himself, and you've heard me say this often, but but I say it all the time because I believe that it sets this instruction manual up to be even more relevant and real for our lives when we understand this. That Paul was a guy who wrote letters to local churches just like us right here, right now, today, full of imperfect people who are just trying to figure this thing out, who don't have it all together and figuring out what Jesus really did and what Jesus brings to our life and how we follow him with our lives. And so Paul took to writing letters to help instruct them. And one of the things we see come out over and over in these letters that Paul writes to to churches all across the Mesopotamia is this is that not only does Paul write instruction, but he models what following Jesus looks like. And oftentimes we see it in this way. In the letters that Paul writes, at least once at the beginning and once at the end, and sometimes in the middle like the one that we're going to read today, we find Paul modeling how we should pray. And he literally writes down on these letters, hey, here's how I'm praying for you. Here's what I'm praying for. Here are the breakthroughs that I want to see in and through your life, in and through your city, in and through your church, in and through your world. And he sets the table for them to be able to pray in the same way so that they can experience breakthroughs from God in their lives and in their stories. And so today we find ourselves starting in this letter he wrote to the church in Ephesus. And Paul begins to unveil, right smack dab, in the middle of this letter, this thing that he is imploring for us to understand about the power that we can receive in all lives when we connect with the God of the universe in relationship, in conversation, in prayer. Here's what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 16. He says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with, and throughout this morning, if you're a note taker, as we move through these texts, one of the words you may want to underline, because it's going to come out again and again and again, in Paul's prayer, is this word, power. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul's prayer is that you and I, as Christ followers, would experience the power of Jesus in our lives. And ultimately, that we would be connected to this power source that is so much greater than anything we can create or muster up in our own lives and in our own stories. And and essentially, what Paul is laying out is this. Paul is, is opening up that when we pray something happens in and through every single one of us. There is something that is unlocked in us when we choose to become people who give prayer a try, to make prayer a habit in our lives and in our faith. And what Paul is unveiling is this, is that in this power we have in our lives, we receive that power when we connect with God in two distinct ways first thing that we need to understand, this unbelievable truth that Paul is trying to uncover about God's power in all lives is this, is that we need to understand that God's power is in us. Do you realize that, y'all? That when you begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, you actually possess the power of Christ inside of you. Paul continues to say this all throughout, letter after letter after letter. In a different letter that Paul writes, you know what he says? That for those of you who have a relationship with Jesus, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. Isn't that incredible, y'all? That when we begin a relationship with Jesus, we possess the same power that beat back death. That death wasn't even big enough for that kind of power. That lives in us. But don't just take Paul's word for it. The God of the universe who put on flesh and came to this earth, and died on a cross and rose again. His last promise before he left this earth to you and I was this. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus says this. But you will receive... Here it is again. Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That when you begin a relationship with me, there is this power that becomes a part of your life and a part of your story that exists in you. That ultimately, I, when you connect with me, maybe the simplest way, the layman's terms, that that we can picture this, is that he becomes our battery charger. That as we live in this world, and the circumstances and the difficulties of this world, we come up against those things. What undoubtedly happens is this, and we've all experienced it. Those things suck the life out of us, don't they? They drain us. They drain of us all power, all, all strength in all lives. But God is saying, no, no, no. When you connect back to me, you connect back to the power source that recharges you. When you connect with me, you now have the power recharged in you so that you can walk back out into your world and the brokenness and the messes of this world on Monday morning and have the power to spread my power to a world around you. Isn't that unbelievable? That that's what's promised to you and to me when we engage in relationship with Jesus. But what's even more incredible is that not only do we have God's power in us, but what Paul reveals secondly is also that God's power actually works best in our weakness. God's power is perfected in your weakness and in my weakness. When we come to God in prayer, admitting that we are running on empty and incapable without him, that's where he shows up most. Why? Because when we come to him humbly in our weakness, those are the moments where we fully realize the breakthrough that's happening in all lives or in the world around us isn't because of my power, isn't because of my skill. It is totally because of God. And let me just say this, y'all. You see, I think oftentimes as as we look at prayer and the likelihood of our prayers getting answered and our prayers having any power, this is how my family views it, y'all, somehow there's this belief that like the dudes they allow to walk up here on stage have a more direct line of, of communication to God. And they're more likely to get God's prayers answered than I am. And yet the truth of the matter is that nowhere in God's word does it make that sentiment. Nowhere in God's word does it talk about if you've got it all together and you've got all the answers and you've done everything right, then you've got a direct line of communication to God. No, what it says in God's word is that God is close to the brokenhearted. That God came for those who are sick and the lost. Those who didn't have it all together are the ones he connects with best. And so what does it look like for us to understand that it isn't when we have it all together that God's power is manifested and comes to life through us. It's actually when we are weakest, when we humbly admit we don't have it all together, and I can't do it on my own, and God, I need you to show up and show off in this moment. for many of you who've been around here for any amount of time, you've heard me tell countless stories about my father. And for those of you who haven't, I'll bring you up to speed in 30 seconds. When I was 17 years old, my father started having these episodes. And he'd be driving in the car and forget where he was going or in his office and forget what he was doing. And so we took him to the doctor and They diagnosed him with something we'd never heard of before called transglobal amnesia. And they said, oh, it's just something that's firing in the brain, just a little bit wrong, and it's nothing to worry about. He'll have this maybe every six months to a year, where it'll just be something that happens for 30 minutes, and then everything will go back to normal, and it's nothing to be overly concerned about. And yet what we found over time is that the exact opposite was happening, is that these episodes were happening more and more frequently. He was confused, and he couldn't get his words out, and he forgot where he was or what he was doing, and so we took him to the neurologist. And after countless tests, they finally determined that my father had early-onset Alzheimer's at the age of 55. And furthermore, what they found was that by the time they had diagnosed him with Alzheimer's, he had progressed past the mild stages of Alzheimer's into the media or moderate stages. And what they told us is because he's now reached the moderate stages, there's really nothing that we can do to stop this or slow this down on his behalf. It's just going to have to run its course at this point. And as you can imagine, over the course of the next four years before my father passed away, and seeing my father disintegrate before my eyes, not just mentally and emotionally, but physically. My father, I was the run of the litter. My father was 6'3", 225 And we watched over the years as my father became 6'3", 125. Couldn't lift himself up to walk to the bathroom anymore. You can imagine over the years as I watched my father disintegrate, the amount of times that I prayed for God to just do something, for God to take this away, for God to not make this a part of our story and our lives. God, you're big enough to do something and you can come through in this moment. And yet just this week, I was having a conversation with my mom, and there was this epiphany that that just washed over me, this this revelation in the moment where God was directly pointing back to our story. We were talking about the TV show The Chosen. My mom absolutely loves The Chosen. I don't know if you've seen it. But there's a part in The Chosen where one of Jesus' disciples, James, I think Jesus calls him like James the Little. He has this physical impairment, this, this limp that he walks with. And it's this moment where Jesus is sending his disciples out in his power to heal people and to proclaim the hope of Jesus. And as he's sending his disciples out, James looks back at Jesus and he's like, Jesus, how could I possibly go in your name, in your power, healing people when you haven't even healed me? That I still have this impairment, that I still have this weakness. And in this moment, Jesus looked back at James, and he said, no, 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 James. It's not in spite, it's not despite your weakness and your impairment that my power will be seen through you. It's actually because of your weakness that my power and my glory will be seen through you when you heal others and you are not yet healed it was like this incredible revelation for me as we were having this conversation about something totally unrelated. That it was like God was speaking to me in that circumstance that we had walked through in all lives. Ben, you, your father's eternity was already secure. His battle was already won in me. And yet because of this weakness that you and your family worked through and moved through in your life, you are now better positioned to empathize with others and to walk into other people's messes. You are better positioned to understand and to make a greater impact than what you would have been had you never have gone through these weak moments of your lives. And you see, the same is true of you and me. That God's power, when when we doubt and question, why are we going through this difficulty? That those are actually the moments that God uses best in our stories to position us to make a difference that only we can make because of that weakness. In full reliance and dependence that God has to show up in order for this to get done. In order for this breakthrough to happen in my life. But Paul didn't stop at verse 16. You see, not only did Paul pray for them to experience God's power in their lives and unveil what God's power looks like in our lives, but then Paul took it a step further. And he began to underline these foundational prayers in our lives that if we pray for these things foundationally, these have to be the first steps in order for us to begin praying towards a breakthrough. Here's how he continues in verse 17. according to his power that is at work within us. Essentially, within this prayer, Paul begins to reveal two things that you and I must pray for in all lives first to set the table in order for us to experience a breakthrough in all lives and in our world. The first is this. Paul prays that you and I would pray to have the power to grasp how much we are loved. That we would have the power to grasp and understand how much we are loved. What does he say in verse 18? And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. You see, the reason Paul unlocks this powerful prayer in your life and in my life is because he understands this. Until who you are and what you do is rooted in the depths of God's love, you will always be missing out on the impact God wants to make in and through you. Did you catch that? Until who you are and what you do is rooted in the depths of God's love, you will always be missing out on what God God wants to do in and through you. God's love for you is so incredible, so overwhelming, so unbelievable, that it changes everything. Some of you have experienced this moment in your own life. That moment where you brought your baby home for the very first time. I still remember the first night that we brought our boys home for the first time. And there we were swirling in the middle of all sorts of questions. Can we do this? Should we have done this? Are we going to make it? Is everything going to be all right? Are we good enough? I'll never forget. One night I was putting Brantley to bed and I was sitting there in the rocking chair in his room and here was this one year old baby looking back at me dozing off and I can remember for, for the first time having these emotions sort of wash over me and looking back at my baby boy and exclaiming to him buddy I just want you to know that I love you in that moment, he couldn't comprehend, he didn't understand what I was saying. And yet, looking at my son for the first time and saying, buddy, I know what your life has looked like, and I know that you haven't felt loved or been loved up until this point, but what I want you to know is that from this point forward, you have been chosen You've been brought into our family. You've been prayed for. You've been cried over. And from this day forward, no matter how difficult it may be, no matter how many questions we ask, that I love you and nothing will ever change that. That I'm committed to loving you and protecting you from this day forward. And what's crazy about those moments of all lives is in that moment, my son hadn't done anything to deserve that. He hadn't done anything to earn my love. In fact, quite the contrary. Probably a few minutes before that, he had just messed his pants. And from that day until now, pretty much all he's done is drain my bank account. And yet the fact of the matter is, is that in our own lives, our Heavenly Father, day after day after day, is trying to grab us by the haunches and help us understand, no, I love you, I love you, I love you. And we're like, yeah, but God, I messed my pants a little bit back there. And he's like, no, don't you understand that I'm big enough to go through the messes with you? And we're like, yeah, but God, all I've done throughout my life is drain your bank account of grace. And he's like, you can't even comprehend how big my account of grace is. You will never drain it out. You will never mess up enough to ever cause me to love you any less. And until you comprehend how much I love you, you will never be unlocked to be the man or the woman that I have created you to be in this world. We must first pray foundationally for us to wake up every single morning understanding just how much God loves us and where our identity is found. And then secondly, Paul prays that you and I would have the power to live lives that preach without words. In verse 20, he finished it all up by saying, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, that God wants to do something through you. But then he finishes in this way, According to his power that is at work within us, That God is doing something inside of you that he wants people to see before they hear. And y'all, I get it. We live in a day and age in which the sentiment that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care seems to be a foreign language. We've cheapened and discounted the truth of that. And we've been convinced otherwise by media outlets and politicians that make it seem like the best practice is to simply shout louder how wrong the other side is. But can I just say this, y'all? And if you're a Christ follower, this is a moment you got to lean in for. Even if the media outlets won't tell you this, we live in a world that is desperate for someone to act differently than the rest. We live in a world that is desperate for Christ, even if they don't know it. But here's the key. A world that needs to see Christ in you before they hear Christ from you. Your most powerful impact will always be predicated on what others see in you, not in what others hear from you. What would it look like for people in our daily lives, for us to see something different about us, and the way we empathize, and the way we extend grace, and the way we treat others, and the way we live in a broken and hurting world, and the way in which we reach out, and the way in which we sacrifice, and the way in which we push all of our chips to the middle for somebody else, so that somebody else could come to know Jesus. What it look like for us to live lives that preach first without words and you see if we would just begin to pray those two things i believe it would begin this consecration process in every single one of us and this is why i'm so passionate about this and so full of hope of what this series could do if those of us who follow jesus would lean into this for the next 21 days See, I believe with all of my heart that God is not done yet. He isn't done in your story. He isn't done with your impact. But I believe with all of my heart he isn't done with CORE Community Church yet either. That he wants to do so much more than we could ever ask or imagine in and through this place. But in order for us to get there, in order for us to experience that, this power of Jesus that hasn't been fully used, hasn't been fully revealed in us yet, we have to begin this connection process with our Heavenly Father, the power source in our lives for our world. And there was no better time than now. This particular series was positioned strategically in this place because we're entering our final 21 days in this building do the math. And we thought that this was the perfect time, individually and collectively, for us to hunker in to this connection with the power source, the God of the breakthroughs, preparing, humbly expecting that God is capable of doing more than what he's already done. And hear me on this, y'all. He's already done so much more than I could ask or imagine through this place. And I believe that he hasn't even scratched the surface. But I wanna pray like everything depends on God. And I want us collectively to be willing to link arms and do something we've never done before, to see God do what we've never seen before. Come on, y'all. We have this opportunity this breakthrough that's ready to be unlocked in this next step of our journey. But the question that remains is this. Are we willing to consecrate ourselves today to see God do incredible things tomorrow? He's the God of the breakthrough. There's no water he can't part. He is a God that his design for the local church his kingdom on this earth was it for for it to be this immovable unstoppable force that's moving at the speed of light that not even the gates of hell could conquer a god that allows us to see the truth that we have this power that lives inside of us and we look into our lives our circumstances our world and we see plenty of things that feel as if they are hopeless as if they are dead And yet we have a God who no dead thing is ever dead enough for him. A God who's always faithful to revive. There isn't anything he can't do. But what would it look like for you and I over the course of the next 21 days in all lives and in this place for us to take a step of courage and to begin to pray as if we believe with all of our hearts that our God is a God of the breakthroughs. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, God, undoubtedly, we look into our own lives, our own circumstances, our relationships, our finances, our health, and we see plenty of brokenness Things we've tried to fix in our own power, things we've tried to control. And yet, if we were being honest, frankly, here we stand desperate, knowing that everything we've tried hasn't worked and we can't do it on our own. We look out into our world full of brokenness and despair and hurt, and it seems like so much is out of our power, out of our control. And oftentimes we've just thrown in the towel and just have accepted that this is the way it's going to be and yet god we have an opportunity in you through prayer through relational connection with you to unlock a breakthrough in our lives and in our world but god in order for that to happen in order for us to see you part waters win battles, bring walls down in our lives, to revive what's dead. God, we must become people who are willing to commit to prayer, to develop this new habit, this discipline in our lives, to simply connect with you, our power source. And so God, as we begin this journey, you give each of us individually and us collectively the courage to do just that it's in your name that